Hi, I'm Val Harden, San Antonio, Texas, founder of Val Harden Friends at ValHart.com. Welcome to The Real Dr. Doolittle Show, the show for animals and the people who love them. I've been called a real-life Dr. Doolittle many times in my career as an expert animal communicator, behaviorist, pet psychic, and master healer. My mission and passion is to improve the lives of animals the world over by helping humans learn how to speak their language, how to understand their viewpoints, and heal. After all, our love of animals helps us be better humans, and the more balanced and healthy we are, the more balanced and healthy they can be, too. Be sure and look for my CDs on iTunes, and to find out more about my work and to receive your free Quick Start Animal Talk course, just go to my website at valhart.com. While you're there for a limited time, you can also apply for a complimentary Happy Animal Assessment Session. And if you want to learn how to be your own Dr. Doolittle, check out the world's first complete animal communication made easy system available now on my website at valhart.com. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Val Hart, the real Dr. Doolittle, and today I'm talking with Kelly Meister. She's a writer, photographer, potter, and an animal activist. She shares her life with four cats, 12 ducks, and a barn full of rescue horses. Her first first book, a memoir called Crazy Critter Lady, uh, is available on Amazon.com, and her website is crazycritterlady.com. And she, I just, I was so fascinated to hear about what Kelly does is because she looks after a gang of domestic ducks uh, that were abandoned at a city pond. And I know you're going to love hearing about planned duckhood and uh, all the wonderful work that she does with ducks and, and horses. If we have a bit of time, I want to talk about the horse rescue bit. So welcome, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me, Val. It's great to be here. Oh, I'm so delighted. So how in the world did you first get involved with ducks? You know, it was quite by accident. I was living in this tiny little dark apartment in a subdivision, a big subdivision, and one of the features of the subdivision was this huge pond or very small lake, depending on your perspective. (laughs) And I would walk down to the lake to get some exercise and noticed that there were these three ducks that looked different than all the wild mallards. And... (laughs) I saw people feeding them, and the ducks would just come right up and, you know, feed off. You know, if, if food spilled onto the people's shoes, they'd just pick it right off the shoes. Mm-hmm, it, was, mm-hmm. it was great, and they had wonderful personalities, so I started feeding them, and it became very addictive very quickly because wow. these are actually uh, domestic ducks that flight has been bred out of them, uh-huh. and uh, they were dumped there. They, were, they didn't just turn up naturally. They were dumped by people. Uh, people generally buy ducklings to put in their kids' Easter baskets, mm-hmm. and the ducks get really big and noisy and poopy in about a month and a half. Mm-hmm. So then they figure, well, it's it's a wild mallard, so we can just put it in the pond and it'll be fine, but they're not, what they're selling at the feed store are not wild mallards because that's actually illegal. They're federally protected. Oh, wow. They're selling you domestic ducks who can't fly, have no sense of uh, how to protect themselves from predators. They can't outrun them. They obviously can't fly away from them. Mm-hmm. So they're stuck wherever they're dumped, and then they start multiplying fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And over the years that I've been looking after them, it's I, I had to actually come up with a, a, a population control plan. Otherwise, what always happens in these instances is that the population explodes, 
and eventually they all just end up dead, especially up here. I'm in Ohio. Mm. Uh, in the wintertime when the ponds freeze and there's no fresh water to drink, that's usually when they all die off. Mm. So oh, I got to yeah. got to know them pretty quickly and got to be friends with them, and they just wrap me around their little web feet, and I'm their slave <laughs> from, <laughs> from here on. <laughs> oh, I love that. So <clears throat> you said that ducks can lay upwards of 20 eggs apiece. Even that's more than that, of, actually. Really? That's a lot of eggs. That's a lot well, of Well, this is, yeah, this is, um, the, the thing about domestic ducks, the flight was bred out of them because if you're a little, you know, a dirt farmer and you want to augment your income, you buy yeah. a flock of ducks, you sell them for meat and eggs, yeah. You don't want your investment flying away, so they can't yeah. fly. Yeah. But um, because uh, they were bred for serious egg production so that you, the dirt farmer, can either eat the eggs or sell them, you know. Mm-hmm. When I'm in the springtime going around the nest, I pull their eggs out. I replace them with chicken eggs from the store so they've got something to sit on. And I've got girls here that keep laying, and one of them has laid over 40 eggs this spring. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. She's been crazy busy. Yeah. <laughs> She's very popular amongst um, Evidently, yes. the, yes. the men yeah. in the crowd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's the Mae West of duck hoods. Sure enough. Duckdom. Oh, my God. So is that uh, – tell us about planned duck hood. So is that what you mean by your population control plan? Right. I came up with just tongue-in-cheek the name planned duck hood. Um, I I've been liaising with the local uh, animal control officer. He likes the ducks, and he likes the fact that he doesn't have to do the planned duck hood himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I do is go out every spring, find the nest. If I can't find them, I call him in, and we both go looking for all the nests. Mm-hmm. And then I spend the rest of the spring and part of the summer just keep changing out their eggs and disposing of the duck eggs. And, and the, you know, the chicken eggs obviously never hatch. So they've got something to do that keeps them from laying, you know, a whole lot more eggs. And by the time, you know, 28 days has passed and nothing happens, they generally get up and go on with their lives. So as I said, you know, if you've got five or six girls all laying 18 to 20 eggs, you've got a huge problem in those (laughs) Very, very quickly. It became clear very quickly that we did need to do something to just, everybody likes the ducks. They're very popular with the residents of uh, the town, but, you know, you have to be smart about it. Wow. So what happens to them in the, when it gets to be winter? You said they die off when it's cold. Well, I... It's, they do, but I'm in a really lucky position to have uh, a friend in local government, uh, a guy who is in, in, uh, a, a higher-up employee in the city that I call Whoville, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> likes, yeah, likes the ducks very much, and he's the one that decides whether to leave the decorative fountain on all winter or not. And since we have a good relationship, he's left the fountain on for these ducks. Um, there's a pond nearer to where I live that used to have a whole bunch of these uh, ducks because they obviously multiplied and got out of control. And one winter, really bad winter, it was, oh, my God, cold, and there was no fountain on that pond. Next spring, there wasn't one duck left alive. Yeah. So it, it definitely happens. I'm, I, Like I said, I'm in a lucky position. I've got people who mm-hmm. are willing to work with me and, you know, help me give these ducks a quality of life because it's, mm-hmm. it's virtually impossible to find them homes. Nobody wants one. Right, right. Uh, well, and let's talk about that. Uh, so 
you said you've rehabbed ducks in your bathroom. Oh my God! I, <laughs> you also said it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> oh my <laughs> Lord! I, you know, I honest to God, the well, I don't. Gosh, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> uh, let's start at the end and say that duck poop really stinks. <laughs> and it will come seeping under the bathroom out into the rest of the <laughs> Oh, Lord. I've had ducks in my bathroom several different occasions because they're they're friendly at the pond, but if you need to give them daily medication, they're not going to let me get near them every day. Yeah. So the the best solution is to grab them once, take them to the doctor, find out what the problem is, and to put them in my bathroom for a week or so oh my. to get the full, you know, effect of the medication. Uh-huh. Or in one case, a duck had had part of his wing amputated and needed to heal up a bit oh, wow. and had eye issues after that. And I last summer, I have a, a YouTube channel with videos on some of this. Uh, last summer, there was a duckling, uh, kind of a... a not a brand new tiny puffball, but he was he was probably a month and a half old, which is pretty mature for <clears throat> excuse me duckling. Mm-hmm. He got a fishing line injury because that's a common problem at this pond, and I managed to grab him up. And the vet told me that if I hadn't, he would have died of the infection caused by mm-hmm. the fishing line injury. So he was in my bathroom uh, last summer for a week. I documented it all on on YouTube, and and I had to come up with creative ways to make him exercise the leg and strengthen it so i'm creating you know hydrotherapy for a duck and <laughs> at one point we put a we rigged up a splint and put it on his poor little foot and then i i have a, a harness and leash that i've used on my cats to walk them around the yard and i actually put this on this poor duck who hated every minute of me absolutely miserable and he would race around the yard trying to get away from me not really understanding that that leash kept us you know very close together mm-hmm, yeah. but it, it worked in the end I'm, pr- I'm pleased to say he's back at the pond without any limp at all so that wow. was pretty cool yeah that's awesome Oh, my God. But they, you know, they, I mean, I love doing it, but at the same time, they're not happy about sharing my bathroom, and frankly, I'm not either. I bet Dude, not. Yeah. It yeah. seems like they poop every 12 minutes, and <laughs> and then they sort of uh, shake themselves like wet dogs do, and the poop flies everywhere. And oh. It's, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm an organized person, but I'm not the cleanest. I don't ordinarily clean a lot, but my bathroom, when ducks are in it, is cleaner than at any other time of the year. <laughs> Because you have to go and clean every single day in order to keep, you know, the horrible poop smell too. At least. Oh my God. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, it's a bonding experience and they, they understand that I'm not trying to murder them or torture them and, um, in some instances with certain ducks it it brought us uh, a whole lot closer together, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so I really, it, it's a hassle, it's an inconvenience, but I'm willing to do it because I love these guys. And yeah. it's, it's the only way that they're going to get the care and the treatment that they need. So Yeah. Oh, man. Um, so your YouTube channel uh, for the videos, if anyone wants to see them, is Crazy Critter Lady 1. Yes. Got it. I love that. So tell us another story, Kelly. I mean, I'm just I'm fascinated by this. Uh, tell us a story about one of your favorite ducks. My all-time favorite duck was Pretty Boy. He was um, this. He he happened before I started playing duckhood. Um, so he was born wild on the pond from parents who had been dumped. 
Oh. And he was black, which is, uh, there's actually a breed of domestic duck called a blue Swede, which is usually black or gray. Mm, and okay. he, he was an absolutely beautiful black with a white breast, big boy. And he was kind of an alpha duck. He, he had a presence about him and he, uh, was not afraid of me. He would come right up and just, you know, come within grabbing range, uh, really liked eating lots and lots of cracked corn. Mm-hmm. Um, very happy to come in and stay and eat for a while. And he developed a wing problem, and I, I kind of hemmed and hawed about whether to grab him up or not, and I finally did, and took him to the vet, and she thought it was, um, uh, gosh, what did she think it was? A tu- uh, Not a tumor, but a, tumor, a cyst or something, and prescribed some uh, antibiotics, which I did my best to give him, even though he wasn't in my bathroom. And it mm-hmm. became apparent the antibiotics weren't working, so mm-hmm. she ordered more, and I finally said, look, this is not... No. going away so she took an x-ray and she thought it was a systemic infection she tried to prepare me for the worst because mm-hmm. she said that's very hard to treat mm-hmm. then came back with the x-ray and said well there's good news and there's bad news she said the, uh, the good news is it's not uh, a, a systemic infection the bad news is it's cancer however oh. this is easier to treat than a systemic infection and it was in his uh, wing, what would kind of be your elbow area mm-hmm. of the wing. Mm-hmm. And she said she thought he was suffering and either needed to be euthanized or mm-hmm. uh, had to have the wing amputated. He was only five, and they can oh. live to be 20 years or more. And I said, wow. fine, just ampu- amputate the wing. He can't fly anyway. He's not going to miss it. Right. So she did. And... um and he spent a couple of days there healing up and went back to the pond and it took about a month to get really get his get his mojo back you know yeah. because he had some temporary balance issues well sure. almost on the heels of that he uh managed to tear his eyelid which was a huge problem and doctor sewed it up i put him took him back to the pond which i shouldn't have done and the eyelid promptly tore again so i grabbed him up Looking back, they sewed it up again. I thought, okay, this time you're going in the bathroom, buddy. Mm-hmm. And it was, I didn't think about at the time. Well, the first thing was when I was driving it to the vet, uh, he was very restless in the carrier. Yeah. And I put on some George Harrison. And uh, the minute my sweet Lord started playing, he just called. He was mellow. <laughs> he laid down. He was good. And then my favorite song, Here Comes the Sun, plays. And he's back at, you know, nibbling on the bars and trying to escape. And I'm like, dude, this is this is classic George Harrison. How can you not like this? Well, he, he, you know, he had specific musical taste. Well, then I, you know, I get him into my bathroom and completely forgot, I lost track of the fact that it was the spring mating season. Mm. Oh, so he okay. was he was a little active in. My, I could hear him, you know, through the bathroom door. I heard some weird noises, and I went, "What the heck is that?" <laughs> and I looked in, and he was so enraged because he had a girlfriend. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He had a girlfriend, same one for several years. Uh-huh. He was so enraged at being, you know, trapped in this dungeon when he was supposed to be out doing his duty and populating the earth with more dust. And taking had, care of his lady friend. Oh yeah, he had yeah. he had yanked he yanked a full size bath towel off the rack and onto the floor. Oh. That's how pissed <laughs> off that duck was. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that you know that is one angry duck. That's so, angry, yeah. Oh, God. And, you know, he didn't care. I mean, I tried to explain to him that this is for his own good. And he, didn't, he did not care at all. But the fun part is every time he was in my bathroom a couple of times, and every time I took him back to the pond, he would race to the water 
and he'd be calling for girlfriend duck, which is what I named his girlfriend. His girlfriend. And she would just race right over. You know, oh. it's not like they'd forgotten each other. And he'd be dashing back and forth in the in the shallows, just sort of quacking happily, like I can't believe I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. And and here would come, yeah, here would come girlfriend duck, and they'd chat, and then they'd like swim off into the sunset, which was oh. really cute. Oh my God, that's so wonderful. Yeah. Oh. But the downside, that. the bad news is that my favorite duck was killed by a predator a couple of years ago, which is exactly what happens when domestic ducks are dumped at ponds or born there, you know, from dumped yeah. parents. So that yeah. absolutely broke my heart. I um I was just I was devastated. I fortunately in it was a rare instance where there was still a body Mm. Um, and one of my volunteers had found the body and called me because usually the predators will take the body and you never see any evidence of right. foul right. play. You just miss the fact that the duck's not there. Yeah. Um, but uh, I had him cremated and Aww. yeah, and the actions are still sitting on my kitchen table because I have no idea what to do with them. But when he was when he was in the hospital for the uh, the, the wing amputation. The vet techs there had not, I don't think any of them had ever dealt with a duck. It's, you know, a cat and dog practice, and yeah. the, the the avian vet was not even a practicing avian vet. She was doing dogs and cats, and I had the uh, animal control guy ask her if she would sort of come out of avian to help with the pond ducks, and she mm-hmm. said yes. So while I'm visiting, because they let you do that, I came to visit him after the surgery, and I asked one of the girls, would you take a couple pictures of us? Mm-hmm. Uh, together, and, and all of a sudden, there were like six or seven vet techs who suddenly remembered they had cell phones with cameras, and I looked up <laughs> from having my picture taken to all of a sudden, these vet techs all appeared with cameras, that wow, we're going to take pictures of the duck, it was hilarious, they were absolutely in love with him, they put him on the floor at one point to walk him around the back area of the animal hospital, I'm not kidding, this duck walked around, found the door, that everybody was coming and going by and walked up to it and looked at us like, well, you going to open it? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. He was just so much fun. He was so spunky. He, you know, for a duck who was raised by his, by, you know, wild animals on a pond, yeah. he really just, he took to, he, he tolerated all of these strange things so well, being in a vet's office, being around strange people, being handled by strange people. Yeah. So it, he, I just loved him to death, and ever since he died, I've been working on ways to sort of memorialize him. Oh. And I found a woman on Facebook who paints clear, paints images on clear glass ornaments, and mm-hmm. I sent her a picture of of Pretty Boy and said, "Could you do you know this on an ornament?" And she's done it. She's still working on it. But it's absolutely beautiful. Oh wow! So yeah, he's the one. I mean, we've we've lost a lot of ducks at the pond to predators, but he's the one I really miss. Yeah. Oh, oh, it just touches my heart. Yeah. Oh, so you really brought us to understand that these ducks, they have personalities. Like you said, they're spunky. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're not like wild mallards. So there's a real big difference between domestic and the domestic ducks and the wild mallards. Um, and you said that they make great pets. Let's talk about they, that for a minute. You know, this is the funny thing about Facebook. I resisted getting on Facebook for a long time because I don't do modern technology very well, and I really hate computers, and they hate me. But once I signed up for Facebook, all of you duck lovers came out of the woodwork and found me. Yeah. And um, there are duck lovers all over the country and, indeed, all over the world who have uh, pet ducks. Some of them keep them inside. They put them in diapers. Uh-huh. And the 
excuse me, and these ducks are spoiled, rotten, and <laughs> loving every minute of it. And then there are other people that have them, you know, in pens outside, and there are people who have rescue facilities that rescue uh, domestic geese and domestic ducks from mm-hmm. these kind of situations where they're okay. abandoned. Okay. Um, so they've got a huge following. But the thing is, most people, I think, uh, you know, equate domestics with wild mallards. And wild mallards really don't have a personality because they're not meant to interact with us. They're meant to be wild animals. Mm-hmm. Domestic yeah. ducks are meant to be on farms and, you know, in, in they're very just sort of uh, outgoing, garrulous. I mean, they'll talk all day long. Mm-hmm. Uh, critters, and they will bond with you, happily bond with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a world of difference between the personalities, and that's what makes them so engaging you know, and makes them so much fun as pets because when I go down to the pond, if they see my, they know my car. They mm-hmm. see my car pull up and all of a sudden they're all waking up and saying, hey, she's here. They mm-hmm. all run towards me. Yay, it's Kelly. She's got food. Oh my. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like they haven't eaten in 10 years when in fact I just fed them yesterday. So it's, they're really are, they really are addictive uh, once you get to know a few of them. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> all right. So here's a good question. So what should we, the normal, the not-so-crazy critter lady perhaps, um, <laughs> but, you know, if if the rest of us um, are noticed, if we notice domestic ducks, you know, in a pond or something like that, what what would you recommend that we do? What what can we do to help? Um, you know, I would first recommend calling the local animal control guy person because they're usually fairly decent human beings who are not, you know, looking to kill animals all day long. Um, my my guy in Whoville is just a, a wonderful, decent, kind person who has rescued wild mallards and let them swim in his pool. Mm. Um, so very nice guy. And And he, you know, that kind of person's in a position to have, some information about resources, maybe, you know, avian vets or volunteer groups or volunteer. Okay. He's, he's put me together with people that I didn't know were feeding the ducks so that now I know I've got, you know, I've got volunteers. I can email them and say, hey, you know, I'm going to go on vacation. Can you feed them, mm-hmm. you know, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday? Um, so there's, it's good to start networking, you know, if you want to just find them homes, good luck with that. Um, because wildlife rehabbers won't touch domestic ducks. They're not wildlife. Right. So they won't, right. they won't rescue them. But, okay. um, the, uh, and you can always look online and see if there are any, uh, rescue groups close by or volunteer groups close by that can, uh, come out and get them or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, or there may be people that are feeding them that, that you don't know about that you could, you know, find through the animal control officer. So mm-hmm. that's generally my starting point is go to the experts first and find out what they know. Okay, okay. Uh, okay, so um, another important point, I'm not sure that I would know the difference. If I was seeing ducks in a pond, what mm-hmm. is what would be an obvious difference that, that you know, someone that's untrained, an, an untrained eye, um, to know if that's actually a domestic duck or a wild duck that I should absolutely leave alone? <laughs> how, how would we know the difference? Do, is there a way um, to tell? Oh, sure. Well, number one, the wild mallards will definitely let you know that they want to be left alone. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Um, the, the most obvious thing is that uh, the Pekin ducks, which are, think Aflac duck, they look the same, they're white. Uh-huh. Uh, Pekin ducks stand out like a sore thumb because they're white. So that's the okay. way to tell that they're not meant to be there. Yeah. Um, there's another uh, species uh, called roan, 
spelled R-O-U-E-M, and they look exactly like wild mallards, the same markings, only they look like mallards on steroids because they're about three times bigger. Wow. And, yes, <coughs> excuse me, and um, that's, that's the giveaway that they are also domestic ducks. And generally speaking, if the ducks have been on a pond for any length of time, they've learned that humans equal food, so they're more likely to approach you Oh. While wild mallards will not. Okay, okay. Uh, okay. Black ducks, as I described, Pretty Boy was a black duck. We've had several black ducks on the pond over the years. They're also part of the domestic mm-hmm. grouping. Um, okay. So those are the main three that people would find on a pond. Usually it's a lot of pecans, a lot of white ducks. Okay, okay. Got it. You know, and I um, I have to tell you a story. When I was little, I mean, I remember um, us going to, when I was little, you know, it was Easter, and we would mm-hmm. go, you know, to, and they were everywhere, the pet stores, the five and dime, you know, oh, yeah. the, the drug stores, uh, I mean, just everywhere, all these piles of chickens. I don't remember ducks as much, but I definitely remember the little chickens, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes they'd be colored, you know, so it'd be pink chickens and yellow mm-hmm. chickens and, you know, different colors. Mm-hmm. Um, and one year my parents bought me um, a, a chicken, a baby chicken. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, we brought her home, and, you know, I'm sure my folks are thinking, you know, when she gets big that, you know, we'll have a chicken around the place, and that's okay because we live in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so, um, but I... I Took her in, you know, took her in my room that night. I was, I was little. I was, you know, probably four years old, maybe mm-hmm. five. And um, I was in the room. She was in her own little box, and she had her little heat lamp thing, you know, and mm-hmm. had all her stuff. Um, but she kept cheeping, you know, and cheep, 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 you know, and Aww. I'm trying to go to sleep, yeah. and um, you know, and she's cheeping, and I'm thinking, oh, she's. Missing her family, she's missing her brothers and sisters, you know, she's lonely, she's doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, and so I decided to pick her up, you know, and so I'm holding her in my hand, and she gets very quiet, and she settles in, and you know, how their oh. little heads will go down, and yeah. you know, and just kind of fluffs out, and gets in a little cheeky ball, you know. Yeah. And so Aww. she's she's in my hands, and I'm going, oh, that's wonderful, and I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. Well, when I woke the next morning, I was looking for my little new best friend, little chicken baby, Uh-oh. and uh, it was not good. I, I had oh. actually rolled over on her during the night. Yeah, yeah. And it yeah. totally broke my heart. Oh, sure. Huh. Oh, sure. Anyway. That would be devastating. Yeah, yeah, it was. I'm still crying about it. That was a long time Yeah. Oh, yeah, that stuff never goes away. It doesn't. It doesn't. And so, you know, so for children and others that are thinking that giving their their kids or, you know, something um, would be a a great idea to give them a baby duck or a baby chicken or something like that, um, Mm. what do you tell those people? Well, birds live a very long time. So if you're not willing to commit for 20 years or better, then don't get a bird. Uh, ducks can live up to 25 years. Okay. Uh, chickens, I'm told, can go that long. Um, okay. You want something that's age appropriate. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people think we'll get a baby and then they'll grow up together. But in a lot of cases, somebody needs to know what they're doing. And if it's not going to be the you know the animal, then it needs to be uh, the humans. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, in terms of a cat or something, sometimes it would be better to get one from the Humane Society that's three or four years old and got a little experience. 
Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm leery about little kids and little baby animals because things yeah. can go so badly wrong. Kids don't understand how delicate, you know, these little yeah. creatures are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that can just lead to heartbreak. Yes, as I experienced, and I hope everyone else learns from my story, mm. um, too, you know? So, okay, that's uh, that's helpful. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, did you have, um, do you have, did you have that when you were growing up? Um, my mother didn't really like having pets around because they all seemed to be disastrous. There was a dog <laughs> when I was really young that ate the Christmas tree ornaments and then promptly got sent to the pound. <laughs> and there was a stray cat who was not neutered, and I don't know why she didn't have him neutered, but he sprayed all over the house. Oh, my God. Yeah, and she, you know, really wasn't very creative about uh, solutions to problems like that, such as neutering. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did not have a lot of pets. I had a couple of hamsters as a kid, but, okay. but you know, they're not very, they don't do much. No. Yeah, I, was, I was an active tomboy, so the hamsters really, you know, it yeah. wasn't like I could take them along on a leash or anything. Right, right. Yeah, I get. The, I had the same thing. You know, I had a guinea pig uh, named Efo because that's what I read on the, his markings. Uh, very strange. And no, he wasn't very exciting. Uh, but I had mm-hmm. I had white mice, you know, I had oh, birds, yeah. I had, you know, all kinds of great stuff, but uh, great, yeah. great creatures. Um, but you're right. Well, ducks sound fascinating. I'm so excited to learn more about ducks. Thank you for the work you're doing with them. Um, let's switch gears now and talk about horses. <clears throat> Just real quickly, you're involved with a horse rescue facility? Yes, I um I uh, I'm 48, and a couple of years ago I decided to strap on a pair of ice skates because I used to do that as a kid, and yeah. promptly cracked my skull. <laughs> so I thought I'm going to try something other than you know hard surfaces, and I started taking riding lessons at this uh-huh. particular barn, the Healing Barn, which is in Millbury, Ohio. And, um, it, you know, an hour on a horse a couple times a month really didn't do it for me. So I asked if they would, you know, I'll come out whenever you want and work for free. Just teach me what you know about horses. Mm-hmm. And they said, come out on Saturdays. That's when everybody volunteers. And I've been mm-hmm. going there for on Saturdays for, I don't know, six or seven years now. Wow. Uh, and and they, uh, they, they board horses uh, and do lessons, but they also are um, who the local Humane Society calls when there's a, a horse issue in the county because the Humane Society is not prepared to uh, confiscate horses and keep them. They don't have facilities to keep them, so they yeah. confiscate and put right. them with, you know, foster parents while the court case okay. goes to the court. Okay. Um, so myself and the other volunteers kind of, uh, without any specific design, uh, end up working with the horses, socializing them, kind of teaching them that people really are okay after all. Yeah. And uh, we've got a group of kids that come out to the barn and, and, and scoop poop every week and don't complain about scooping poop. So <laughs> um, they really love it. And, you know, once the work, the work is done, then we get to go and groom the, the horses that have been confiscated and, uh-huh, and uh, uh-huh. give them some treats and whatnot. And it was – we had a case recently that we they lost in court, but that's because the prosecutor really stunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, when he had the, uh, the Humane Society cruelty officer on the stand, he, he said, have you gone back, you know, it was months and months before the court case came to court, and he said, have you mm-hmm. gone back to see the horses since you confiscated them? Mm-hmm. And she said, yes. And he said, well, what did you find? He said, they were totally different horses, uh, mm-hmm. that they, 
they when we first you know confiscated they didn't want anything to do with humans now they would approach you they were friendly and I thought that's what we did we did that you know yes. the children and I made a huge difference in the lives of these horses and it was such a wonderful feeling wow oh you know, to be validated by you know an yeah. officer of, of the law you know, mm-hmm. who said it on the record for all to see that was really quite something wow oh and so as a horse-crazy kid, I find a lot of inspiration in that. Um, I guess I didn't actually know that there were facilities around that would take, you know, the rescues in and foster them and that they would let volunteers come in and help. And I find that really exciting. So I hope everyone, all, all the other horse-crazy kids listening, um, young <laughs> or old, um, that uh, we we take action, that we participate, that we get involved. And like you said, change the life of a of another being, right? We had we had a different uh, cruelty case last year where uh, over thirty horses were confiscated. Wow! And they had to take them to a fairground, a county fairground. There were so many of them; they didn't mm-hmm. have enough foster people lined up. Yeah. And they had so many volunteers coming out with food or to scoop poop or whatever, bringing mm-hmm. blankets for the horses, mm-hmm. that they had pages of names. They didn't even use all the volunteers. There were wow. so many of them. Wow. So, you know, people really do come together for animals yeah. when they see a need. Yes. And it's really quite heartwarming to know that you're not the only one that cares enough yeah. to, you know, get involved. Yeah. Ah, And we do. <clears throat> we care. Mm-hmm. We care. We just need to know how to participate, where to offer, you know, our right, services right. or how to assist right. um, and what to do. So there you go. So, Kelly, what do you want people to do next? What do you want our listeners to do next? Oh, I want. I really want people to teach their kids about kindness to all animals, not just cute little puppies and kitties. All animals are deserving of respect. Let's not get out our slingshots and... You know, BB guns and eight limit squirrels and, and, you know, birds and whatnot. Let's teach our kids to be kind to every single species that's out there. Yeah. Oh, well said. Yeah. You know, it starts there, doesn't it? I think so. And it makes a yeah. difference and it's, you know, it's exponential. If we really, if all of us are doing something, then wow, we can really change the world. Yeah. Yeah, we can. So we start with an, with acts of kindness, um, and we can easily do it with our animals yeah. um, and other creatures that share our planet, that help mm-hmm. make our planet the amazing place that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, and then that helps us be kinder to others, to other people. Yeah. Um, and of course, developing kindness in ourselves and compassion and respect and honoring and acknowledging. And connecting with others, you know, yes. we connect and grow ourselves. Exactly. So it's one it of the, becomes full circle. Yes, it's one of the biggest gifts we can give ourselves. Yeah. Yes. And yes, that parents absolutely. can give their children. I love that. It's brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so yeah. much. Um, and so let's talk about your book for a moment. So okay. Crazy Critter Lady is your memoir. Yes. And uh, people can find out more about that at crazycritterlady.com, and the book is at amazon.com. So yep. tell us just a little ti- little bit about the book itself. 
Well, it's chock full of stories about great critters I've known and loved. Uh, Pretty okay. Boy gets a mention in there. There's a, some stories about a really obnoxious horse that uh, let me know that he knew more than I did about horsemanship. Um, it's it's all, it cats and ducks and horses and dogs, and most of the stories are happy ones. Some have a sad ending, but yeah. they're just, you know, everybody knows some really great critters at least once in their life. Yeah. And I've been blessed to know a lot of them. So I wanted to write this and share it with the world and you know, maybe reach out and, and touch people who also have ducks and also love horses and, you know, because it's a huge community of animal lovers out there. And yeah. um, I, my feeling is there's room on the bookshelves for all the good books of animal stories. Yeah. And so mine is one of them, hopefully. Yes, I love it. And so... um Everybody go get your copy of Kelly Meister's book, Crazy Critter Lady. And uh, let's see, how can they contact you? So your website, crazycritterlady.com. Yes? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, anything else? there's a link there if they want to email me. Okay, cool. Um, and then yeah. you have a blog. Um, I have, yep. So a blog. I'm, that's, that's the updated version of what goes on in real time, basically. Awesome. Okay, so that's um, the blog link is there off of your website, right? Or do we yes. need to send them to a different spot? Um, you know, that's actually a very good question. Ah. I don't know the answer to that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can give you the, the direct uh, address to the blog site because okay. I'm actually going to race. I'm racing to my computer here to find out if, if it mentions the blog on my Well, and I don't think it does. Oh, oh my, my God. Well, you know what? That's I a think huge that's oversight. A good there. idea. <laughs> that's a huge oversight. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's great. So oh, we do have yes, yes, there is a blog link. Oh, I'm yeah. seeing it now. We, we thank God we did put a blog link <laughs> on the website. So and there are some other interviews that I've done uh, that Excellent. you can. There's a link there too. So okay. lots of fun perfect. stuff. Perfect, perfect. Thank you so much, Kelly. I love the work you're doing. Thank you for caring about the ducks. You know, so many people care about horses and cats and dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, but not so much about birds as and they as they need to, and the ducks. I'm so so glad that you brought this to our hearts and are helping in all the wonderful ways that you are. So thank well, thanks you. so much for letting me get the word out. I really appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Kelly. All right. Well, keep in touch. Let us know what you're doing, and we'll yeah, look forward to what's next. <laughs> okay. Great. Okay. Thanks so much, Val. Thanks, Kelly. Okay. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the show. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, go to valhart.com forward slash blog. And if you're someone who values a non-invasive, holistic solution to resolving problems with your dogs, cats, and horses, and you want better behaved, healthier, and happier animals, just go to my website at valhart.com to apply for a complimentary happy animal assessment session. And be sure and remember to look for my CDs on iTunes. Learning how to talk with animals is fun and will change your life. So while you're there at my site, get my free Quick Start Animal Talk course and check out the world's first complete animal communication made easy system. May the love of animals bless you, teach you, inspire you, heal you, and reconnect you to the circle of life.